This is the word of the Lord. And they were saying and sharing the word of the Lord. And you'll notice there that um, the Sanhedrin don't even mention the name of Jesus. They're terrified to mention the name of Jesus. This man is how they refer to Jesus. They don't want to mention him because there is power in that name. There is greatness in that name. And I'd like you to start by thinking of something from the earthly ministry of Jesus about going out. About how Jesus sends out the 12 disciples to proclaim that the kingdom of heaven has come near. He sends them out. And he tells them to do certain things. Heal those who are ill. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. That's what they were to do back in the time of Jesus' ministry. They were also told that if they went to a village... And they got to that village and they weren't really welcome. If they went into the town and they weren't being received, they were to shake the sand off their shoes and move on. Our passage tonight speaks later from a post-Pentecost experience of the success of disciples, not among the towns and villages, but within Jerusalem, within the capital city, the holy city. And they have been welcomed by many, but not by the authorities. They're rejected by the Sanhedrin. But yet, this is somewhere where it would be wrong to walk away from shaking the sand out of the shoes, off of the sandals. Times have changed. Things are different. Indeed, in this place where they are receiving rejection, the right thing to do is keep proclaiming. And even as they're getting rejected, even before the Sanhedrin, they continue to proclaim what Christ has done. The thing that they were arrested for is doing what they'd been told to do. The same as back in the day that they had been with Jesus. Though the charge against them is that one of contempt of court. It's that handy one that uh, the, uh, we used to find where I used to work some years ago, quite a lot of years ago. It seems an increasingly number of years ago. Um, that sometimes when the protesters were arrested, it was difficult to get a charge 
to stick on them. They, they, the things that they'd done didn't quite fall within the, you know, they, they knew where the law was and they skirted round it. But you could usually get them on contempt of court because they'd been in for something else before and been told not to go back. You know, and, and that's kind of what's going on here in the passage. They are arrested um, because they've previously been told, don't do that. We've arrested you before, and last time we arrested you, we couldn't really get anything to stick, but we told you to stop behaving in that way. This time, don't do it. Uh, of course, God didn't take any notice of that and just kind of opened the jail and let them walk free and all this sort of stuff that allowed them to go to the temple and allowed them to do what God wanted them to do, not what the court wanted. But of course, they continued. It's our very purpose to rejoice in what God has done through Christ his son. It's for us to bring the good news in word and deed. It is pointless, or at least it should be pointless, to tell the disciples not to proclaim what God is like. How amazing Jesus is. What wonders he has done. What hope there is in him. What love he has revealed. Might well remember on Palm Sunday as Jesus was told to quieten his followers. He declared that it'd be a pointless task. Why would it be a pointless task? Because even the stones would cry out. If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. It's the right thing to do. And all creation gives praise to God. Except for much of humanity. The problem for the Sanhedrin as they see it is that the city has been overtaken by the hope of Jesus. And that doesn't really fit their plans. It doesn't conform with what they want to see happen. It doesn't fit their structure or their idea of who they are and what their position of authority is. People are taking their ill relatives to the temple for healing. Many, many sick are healed. And the combination of general commotion and the proclamation of Christ crucified and risen is becoming an embarrassment to the Sanhedrin. Everybody's hearing it and it's starting to sink in. We might get a hint of that embarrassment if we um, look at the, the action in London over the past couple of weeks with the Extinction Rebellion protesters. Now, personally, 
I'm not sure that gluing one's hand such that you can't be moved to a means of electrically powered public transport is an effective or sensible means of reducing greenhouse gas emissions. But how the authorities probably felt exasperated and seemingly impotent to do anything is probably similar to how the Sanhedrin felt in this passage. It didn't matter what they did. There was too much going on and they weren't able to control it. The temple is the place of priests and altar sacrifice but it's unable to function as expected because prayers are being answered out in the courtyard. And that courtyard is being occupied by the folk that are praying for folk. And there are a bunch of fishermen and tax collectors and others that might be considered vagabonds. These aren't the priests. And these same miracle delivering characters are pronouncing the forgiveness of sins and speaking of how the authorities have nailed an innocent man, the very son of God, to a cross. And of how the grave could not then hold him. And how there is hope of eternal life and resurrection. That's not really in the Sanhedrin's plan. That's not what they want to be happening. And all they can do, as we saw at the start of the passage, is as good as confess their sin. And confess their uselessness to act. They're not able to act against the uh, apostles. It just, just not able. It doesn't matter what they do. God's power will triumph it. And as the Sanhedrin say, please don't do that. We asked you not to do it. You've gone and done it again. Please don't do it. Peter responds, we must obey God rather than human beings. We must obey God rather than human beings. I'm sure a non-violent protester might say the similar sort of thing, but protect to the uh, point to the protection of the planet rather than the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. And it's a cry that we too must take to heart. To the Christian, there is a higher authority than the government of the day. There is a rule greater than an act of parliament. 
a judge higher than the Supreme Court. And we are royal citizens within a kingdom greater than Great Britain. While it is right for us to act as far as possible in a way that is honourable to those with earthly authority, we must also remember to honour God in what we say and what we do. That something is democratically decided does not mean it is right or just to God. Yet we should pray that those engaged in democracy might be guided by the Holy Spirit so that God's will may be done. We see time and time again people losing their jobs because of speaking out with faith of what the gospel tells them. And it doesn't fit with the authority. But that doesn't mean to say that the authority is right. There is a greater authority that is over them. We have local elections this week. We have the possibility of European elections in this country, maybe, in a few weeks' time. It is right to mark the ballot paper, not with what we think is best for us as an individual, or what we think is best for the community, but we must vote as the Spirit leads us to vote. We have to pray and allow God's wisdom to move our hand by his Spirit so that the right marks go in the ballot paper and that we find what his will is, that his will is done. Because we have to consider his authority greater than the others. The passage continues with the challenge of what to do with the disciples. What to do with them? Do they make them martyrs? Or do we just leave them, chase them out of the meeting of the Sanhedrin? Hope that we, if we ignore them, it will go away. That was the challenge to the Sanhedrin. So they gave them a little bit of a flogging and sent them on their way in the hope that that would be the end of it. But we meet here 2,000 years later. We can stand here and gather and rejoice because it wasn't the end of it. Because it wasn't a thing of man. But it was a thing of God. 
And so it's right that we proclaim our faith in word and action. Even at the times that we might not have traditionally thought of it as being missional activity, we are called to live the life, called to think of what we're supposed to do in the week ahead, called to rise to that challenge not just during Lent, but of how we share our faith such that we may continue to proclaim who our Lord is and see the glory of his kingdom in this place.